A USDA Farm Service Agency office may appear quiet from the outside, but make no mistake, a lot is going on inside that office and with the agency itself in Washington. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. This week, we turn to Jackie Fatka, policy editor at Farm Progress, who talked recently with Zach Ducheneau, who is the administrator of USDA's Farm Service Agency. In this conversation, Jackie covers some wide-ranging topics, from pandemic-related livestock indemnity payments to the lingering drought. This is a chance to catch up on some key issues FSA is dealing with these days, so let's hear what Jackie learned. We are talking today with Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau. Uh, Administrator, thank you so much for taking the time today. We're excited to hear about some of the things that are going on at the FSA offices and some new programs to talk about and updates on some other things that producers have been probably hearing about. You bet. I'm looking forward to the visit and thanks for your Thanks for your help in spreading the good word. Well, great. Well, first off, we're going to dive in. USDA recently announced some additional details of its pandemic livestock indemnity program, which will provide up to 80% of indemnity payments for swine, poultry, and turkey producers who had to euthanize animals during the worst of the pandemic-induced shutdowns. Uh, Administrator, can you tell me a little bit more about how much money you guys expect to be able to provide producers and also what producers, how many producers do you expect to benefit from these new programs? So the the program is mainly aimed at uh, livestock and poultry, including swine, chickens, and turkeys. But we expect that pork producers are going to realize most of the most of the assistance, just because of the nature of the challenges we experienced during the pandemic. <clears throat> As to the specific numbers, rather than confuse the issue. In an interview, I just refer producers to our website where they can take a look at the numbers for themselves. We've got them published on farmers.gov slash PLIP. Good. And that's, again, uh, farmers.gov PLIP. Uh, a lot of great information on farmers.gov. Uh, you know, will will these producers who have already received CFAP 1 or CFAP 2, which was our original coronavirus food assistant program payments from 2020, will they get these indemnity payments on top of those payments? Or how does this work with the previous aid that was offered to the livestock sector? Well, that's a really good question. Well, those payments that were based on inventory for swine that were depopulated for CFAP 1 or 2 will be deducted from any payments that are received from the depopulation and disposal payments that we're offering with pandemic livestock indemnity program, as well as any payments for the disposal that may have been received through NRCS's EQIP program. And and just total, this is all part of uh, this was actually some of the allocated aid that would have been passed at the end of 2020. Uh, and this is, is part of a total $6 billion that, that you guys announced uh, mid-June. And, and so, I mean, total payments, are you guys estimating around, uh, you know, $4 billion? Obviously, it can't be the entire $6 billion because there's also some money for biofuel producers and dairy farmers. Uh, but is there kind of a, a top line number that you guys are expecting on this indemnity program? Uh, 
there is a number this this program is part like you said that six billion is inclusive of the top up payments for rural crops and live other livestock as well as a host of other programs and i think it's important to talk about how we arrived at that number there was pretty clear pretty clear guidance given by congress with regard to the top up payments for livestock and rural crops but there was discretion offered and the secretary was adamant about including folks that had been left out of previous rounds of coronavirus assistance. That's how the pandemic livestock indemnity program came into being. As we conducted that scan of the nationwide ag industry, it was apparent that there was really very limited options for producers that had to depopulate. So we created this program to to reach out to those producers. Alongside that, there is funding going to the biofuel industry. There's also some funding going to organics. Uh, also another batch of funding that's going to timber haulers, timber harvesters. So it's part of a, a broader suite of assistance that's really looking to reach out into the gaps that were left by previous coronavirus mm -hmm. assistance efforts. Another major component of the COVID aid approved by Congress in 2021 was the Black Farmer Loan Forgiveness Program. I, I know that that is caught up in the courts right now, but I wondered if you could provide an update. Had FSA actually offered any, approved any loans? Was there some money that did go out? And and where are, where are you able to direct things right now as we're kind of just waiting for the courts to make some decisions? The preliminary injunction that is in place prohibits us from making payments, but it doesn't stop us from doing everything up to that point. Prior to the preliminary injunction and the temporary restraining order, which preceded it, we had made four payments to producers in New Mexico. And we're gonna vigorously defend our ability to deliver that program authorized in the American Rescue Plan to these producers. As people are able to continue to apply for these loans, any update on, on how many people have been able to try to, you know, utilize this program? So there, there may be a little confusion there, Jackie. This isn't a program that producers apply for. These are existing farm loan program participants. So we're, we're reaching out to them, letting them know the amount of the proposed payment based on our notice of funding availability that went out in May. And there's not an application process per se. They sign the offer letter, send it back in, that gets them in the queue for payment. We anticipate there's gonna be around 17,000 producers covered in that first NOFA. Okay. A lot of people might not be familiar with your background. You actually um, represented Native Americans um, before coming into this office. As you come into this role of FSA administrator and a, a clear focus from this administration on racial understanding and justice and, and bringing the, the viewpoints of, of maybe some different uh, folks from the countryside into this office. Tell me a little bit about your priorities, what you've learned as you've come into FSA uh, in this position and, and what you hope to accomplish in your term here. You bet, Jackie. I left one dream job for another dream job. 
as the executive director of the Intertribal Ag Council, I had the opportunity to see the diversity of Indian ag all across the country because we represented all 574 federally recognized tribes and Alaskan native villages and the more than 80,000 individual Indian producers that were out there. I hope to bring that sense of connection to all of those diverse ag production operations and those communities to the Farm Service Agency administrator role and a vision for a future that the secretary does a great job of articulating when he mentions the fact that 89% of all of our producers make more than 50% of their income off the farm or ranch. That's something that we have to address on a systemic level. You talked about racial equity and injustice. The USDA has a long and well-documented history of underserving or sometimes outright discriminating against certain segments of our agriculture producer populations. We're committed to doing a better job at serving those populations and the administration and the secretary have both expressed their support for our effort to move us all towards a future where we can have a better distribution of the food dollar to the producers, you know, starting with improve their, improving their finances through better financial assistance through our farm loan programs, which I had a lot of experience with at the IAC. But the secretary and the president just announced some sweeping reforms to address the consolidation in the food industry and really help get producers a fair share of their of their due income for their production. You'd mentioned uh, coming into this role, FSA offices, actually, you, you are overseeing a very unique body of the USDA of the fact that you have local uh, local FSA offices, you have state FSA directors. As you come into this job, um, are are they sharing with you some of these concerns about uh, racial justice or making sure that there's a more fair and equitable treatment of people? Uh, you know, what are you hearing from those folks on the ground? Is that something that that they are glad to see being prioritized? I think for the most part, they certainly are. There are a few people who perhaps have had their feelings hurt by some of the things that we're saying and advocating for. And our message to them is, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the systemic inequities that date back three or four generations. And to help understand that, think about what three or four generations of opportunity look like. How does that present itself? try to understand what it could have meant to one of these producers who had the door slammed on their face three generations ago to their family and their predecessors in the intervening time. It's, it's been very widely widely accepted though, and that's a, that's a very isolated segment of our, of our staff. Our staff are extremely dedicated 
to getting the programs out to the producers that they are intended for. And we're going to do everything we can to knock down those systemic barriers that may inhibit that ability. You know, one of those barriers I know for a lot of uh, black farmers anyway is the heir's property and being able to uh, qualify for, for farm programs by being able to verify if you actually own that property. Any update on that rule? Is that something that, that we could see here soon from the, the department on finalizing that heir's property rule? Yes, that rule is getting real close to coming out, and we're really eager to get that program out and into the into the countryside. There's sort of a analogous situation in Indian country where we've got what's known as fractionated land. We face the same challenges there. And at the agency, we're going to make sure that from the perspective, as we roll out these programs that help black farmers, Indian farmers, and others perfect their control of land for better program participation, we're going to do a better job at the agency of meeting those producers where they're at and shaping our programs to fit in all of those various circumstances. Really taking the perspective of, is the agriculture production that the programs were intended for happening on the land? If it is, we're going to do our best to meet that producer there, regardless of the circumstances that are beyond their control that affect that control of the land. So we're really doing our best to stretch our legs in that regard and serve more of our populations. Final question for you, and this is kind of the open-ended question. Uh, what do you want farmers to know about what you're doing in FSA? Are there other programs that they are needing to hear about that maybe they haven't heard about or other work that you are looking to accomplish with your time there? Just kind of that open-ended question of what you uh, would like to share with our farm farm producers. Wow, I could go on for an hour and 45 minutes. On that. <laughs> But I, but I think the thing that's on the front of everyone's mind right now is the drought that's so pervasive in the western half of the country. The the triple-digit temperatures in the northwest that are unprecedented, the extreme and exceptional levels of drought across the northern tier and in the southwestern part of the country. And we understand that the drought mitigation tools that we've been able to construct over the last few years, the last few iterations of the Farm Bill, probably really didn't contemplate this level of drought that covers half of a continent and spans, in some cases, two decades. Mm -hmm. So we're doing everything we can to maximize our flexibility within those programs to help producers as soon as we can and we're really challenging our staff to get out there and do the same. Let's find a way to be as inclusive as we can and meet as many of the needs as we're able to with the tools that we've got. Very good. Well, again, this is FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau. We're so excited to be able to have some time to talk with you today about what is going on with the, the national all the way down to the local Farm Service Agency Administration. And we're excited to, to see some of these things come to fruition, such as the Livestock Pandemic Assistant, the Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program, 
and uh, additional aid coming from the, the department. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jackie. It's been a pleasure and we look forward to working more with you. Thanks again for helping us get the word out. Hey, definitely. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks to Jackie Facka for her conversation with FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau. There was a lot of information there to unpack, and we appreciate Administrator Ducheneau's time. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team and experts in our industry. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs, and the Farm Progress show and Husker Harvest Days. Those two shows are back and live, so mark your calendar for August 31, September 1 and 2 for the Farm Progress show and September 14th through 16th for Husker Harvest Days. You can now buy advanced tickets for either show at their respective websites, farmprogressshow.com and huskerharvestdays.com. You can save on admission, and if you have that ticket printed and in hand when you get to the show, you will get through the gates faster. Get your tickets soon. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.